Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Rollerist Podcast, blah, 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 blah. Tom Phones is back on the... Tam Phones is back on the show. How are you doing, mate? I'm alright, mate. I feel like that intro may just set the tone for the next hour or so. I, I feel like it, it probably should. Um, I don't. I really don't know where to be... I'll tell you what, right, let, let's begin on just how, how are you feeling in general? What's your sort of, you know, the the... The overall state of of Tom right now, of of me right now, yeah. Um, in the wake of that, pretty pretty miserable. But um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, where you you wake up the next day and you kind of forget about it for the first like two minutes, and then all of a sudden you just go, oh, yeah, and then it all kind of, kind of comes flooding back in one big hit. Um, uh, yeah, but generally pretty miserable. Pretty, I don't know. Pretty, I, I was a bit pissed off last night, but I'm pretty just very down and very uh, yeah uninspired and just a little bit bleak, if you like, on the status first at the moment. And it's been like that for a little while, obviously. But last night and games like last night just seem to sort of hammer it home a little bit more, don't they? What would you say, so, because obviously I, there's a whole plethora of reasons as to why one might be jaded or annoyed with Tottenham. What would you say, though, is, like, is, is the one main thing, is there like one splinter that's getting you in particular? Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, I probably couldn't pick just one thing. I think the biggest issue is is how difficult we are to watch at the moment because uh, Spurs have been notoriously unsuccessful for 20 years in terms of silverware you know we, we've reached we've hit top four Champions League regulars once and um, sort of try hards on another occasion and in between those spells we've had decent spells but it, where we are at the moment feels like the worst parts of AVB you know it's there's obviously a manager that's got a plan and trying to execute that plan but just simply doesn't have a caliber of players that is capable of doing it and and it's very it's a very very difficult watch and i think conte alluded to that last night actually in his interview in his post match and i know he said quite a lot last night and i know a lot of people have jumped on things and there's a bit of missing like deliberate misinterpretation um, by some accounts on Twitter to do with some of the comments that he's come out with. Um, I think one of the things he said at one point was, I'm bored 
and <laughs> people picked up on that and posted it in a in a without context. But the reality, I think he was being asked about the Ndombele selection or something like that, and he was basically saying he's bored of that. But anyway, one of the things he said was. In response to the Galini question, which I'm sure we'll come on to, but he basically said, "Look, we've we've got bigger problems than that," and I think he's completely right. Like the Galini selection was horrendous and very misguided, and I'm sure we'll come on to the reasons why. But it doesn't disguise from the fact that we don't have anybody in the final third that can pass more than ten yards without the ball bobbling, and we've got no. No confidence in our forward play suddenly when two, three weeks ago the Conte bounce was still seeing us blast through teams even if we still didn't have that kind of guile and creativity of a, an Ericsson or a Modric um, type player in the team. It's funny, so, isn't it? Though? Well, yeah, sorry, mate. Oh, no, that, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? it, it he's right. We, that is our biggest problem right now and, and that lack of creativity makes it very difficult for us to do anything and in turn makes it very difficult for Spurs to to watch right now and and that's that's my biggest splinter as you say it's just such a we're such a tough watch right now and we just we don't have that hallmark of previous Spurs teams who yes were unsuccessful but always had that player that you could kind of hang your hat on to to light the crowd up a bit Berbatov Modric, Ginola, Bale, it, it, we just don't have that right now. It's very, very difficult to sit and watch 90 minutes of us. I mean, jokes aside, the closest thing we have to that probably is Tangi Ndombele, who, whatever, do you know what I mean? Just doesn't, mm. isn't, is barely on the pitch or anything. Maybe Lucas Moura as well. But this yeah, is, I was going to say Lucas, yeah. You know, he, like he's, it's... Mm. It's, it's, it's quite hard to hang out on anything. I mean, there's, there's a couple of things. I guess like in terms of like if we're talking about the biggest splinter is it's just uh, because I, I get it. I'm often I'm tossed between because I have obviously we're football fans, right? And it's it's an emotive game. It is an emotional game, and that's kind of why you know I often feel that there's such a an outcry against like the stats community a lot of the time because they're trying to sort of not trying to do anything other than enjoy the game in their own way. But what I mean is that sometimes from certain circles of it, there's this type of sneering towards you know proper football men or people who like a player for showing a bit of passion um because that's kind of become like a, a dirty word nowadays passion in football makes conjures up images of people like neil warnock and stuff like that and you know <laughs> tim sherwood when he was <laughs> our manager but i do think that is just what is so lacking from the team right now because I get what I'm saying is I'm torn between the fact that I know rationally right when I'm not using my kind of my emotional brain I know rationally Chelsea are a far better team than us that in the Premier League you know City Liverpool Chelsea and probably even United are all better teams than us we might be able to sneak the top four but you know we also have alongside us Arsenal who are getting better or uh, or at least on the same level of uh, as us again now west ham who are arguably on the same level uh, level as us if i can get my words out today so uh, i i get it rationally speaking the fact we're in touching distance of the top four and that we are still kind of making semi-finals we're progressing in cups we're pretty much european perennials whether it's you know champions league or not 
we're still there or thereabouts. So the people should say that you know Tottenham are probably in the place that they should be. But like you say, it is just so tough to watch because I hate having to, in the wake of countless semi-finals, have to constantly rationalise. You know, have mm-hmm. having to always rationalise why we haven't won. Well, of course we didn't win that because. They've invested more over X period of time and we didn't invest in this window and we haven't built or coached in X. Like sometimes, like football is, yes, I I get it. It's it's an elaborate game of tactics in part and a lot of work goes into coaching and establishing plans, attacking plans, defensive plans, moves, recreating situations within games. Yes, I completely understand all that. But at the same time, as we all know, and the thing that we all love about football is that there is an intangible element. That's why, you know, giant killings happen in the FA Cup, things like that, because sometimes the stars just align and things just happen for a team. And a lot of the time that is down to kind of the, the team willing that's ha- making that happen, other yeah. than sort of farcical decisions that play against people here and there. It's because teams play for it and they want it and they want it more than the other team. And it doesn't matter who's in charge for the past years, you know, be it the tail end of the Pochettino era up to now, it still seems to be whatever it is about the core of this group of players. We arrive back at this point where I just wonder, what, what is it about them? What is it about whatever it is, the, something within the club, be it, I don't know... Uh, whether it is a core of players or whether it's something about the ethos of the club or maybe people are getting too rattled within the club by the talk from the outside, Tottenham are trophyless and all whatever shit people say. There is just, there is, and I, I honestly defy anybody who says otherwise because there quite clearly is an issue with the team just shrinking in these in these points. It's We've, muscle memory, isn't it? Almost? It's bizarre. It's been, yeah. you know, we sort Look at it under Mourinho. We were flying under Mourinho at first. It got to that crunch point when people were like, hang on, this is a weird season and it's all behind closed doors. Tottenham could actually make a fist for the title here. They've got Mourinho, who seems to be rejuvenated by this project. They've made a few decent signings. They've got like Hoybier, who's addressed a few of their problems. He's given a bit more oomph in midfield. Kane and Son are absolutely flying. Like, actually, you know what? Tottenham are decent. And quite a few journos were like, I'm finding it quite hard to look past Spurs for the title this year. I mean, this is seems weird to say. And as <laughs> soon as that talk started, we came into that game mm. against Liverpool, who mm. hadn't scored in like... I don't think they'd even scored in about seven games or something, let alone won a game. I think they'd lost like four or five in a row or something. And they still just turned us over at, at, at home. And it, it just... I... <clears throat> but it, it's it's... I think you're completely right, and and the the part of the problem I think we've got. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, when things started to go south for Mourinho, it was obviously very easy and correct, you know, to blame Mourinho because he did he didn't do anything to really arrest that decline, and it just followed the blueprint. What we've had this time around is obviously the Conte bounce, and he's an, he's obviously a very very good manager and an incredible coach, and he's shown it enough times. This is his biggest challenge by a 
distance you know, by a long, long way. We are nowhere near even where Inter were. People say, oh, Inter hadn't won the title in, was it, I don't know, 10 years or something since Mourinho, ironically, that's 2010. And he comes along and wins it. And you okay, fine. But I think taking over Inter is probably the equivalent of taking over a kind of Liverpool in the Premier League. Yeah, probably, like, or Arsenal or something like or that. Or, yeah, like. maybe even a Chelsea, that kind of, you know, bit fraggy, bit weird of a, of a team. Obviously, it's, it's a team Chelsea that's won the Champions League in living memory. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Let's not, let's not say, it's not a Spurs. It isn't a, yeah, it's not a, a kind of a, a sleeping giant or anything like that. It, it's, they are a giant. It's, it's, simple as that but um he can't he can't change the dna of these players as well because if you look at it the same players that were part of the teams that pochettino failed to get over the line or that sounds harsh but my point is a more general one that the teams that failed to get over the line contained the likes of Lloris, sanchez dyer davis uh winks Kane, Son and Lucas. You know, it, it, not, it's not to say that they're bad players. It's not to say that they're the reason why we fail to get over the line, necessarily. It's more just when that starts to kick in, when, as you say, the talk around, could this be the year? Or even just, could they reach a final? And when we get to a final, the weight of expectation on that, or the, just the feeling that all eyes are on us because we're in a final and it could be our first trophy for... Well, it would have been fourteen years this year. It'd be fifteen next year. Like you can't, you can't sort of underestimate the effect that that has on those players. That's that's. If you look further into the squad as well, you know, Delhi has been part of that team for six, seven years as well. Um, there's a lot of players within the squad right now that will know what it feels like to fail at those moments, and almost have been kind of coached into that being acceptable or, or or certainly not the end of the world because all of them have been there the next season and they've all got to more semi-finals and they've all they've all experienced it again the next year. You know, I can't believe the amount of semi-finals that we've been in in the last 10 years and I can't believe how many of those have been against Chelsea either for that matter but it's these players remember that and it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that they're just it's very difficult to get over that once you've got that kind of stench of it on you i say it's not a, it's not an individual criticism of those players Larice Kane Son are the, some of the best players in the league well you know my thoughts on Kane but certainly Larice and Son and certainly on form of the last couple of years if they were in another team they would have won trophies on their own but with Spurs it is that muscle memory of failure. There you go. There's your podcast title. Yeah. Do you think they? Because just picking on, it's just a thought I've had now. It's not even like a fully formed one, which you know, to be honest, most of my thoughts. <laughs> That's our pod- yeah, exactly. podcast between us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I wonder how much there is a kind of culture of players letting themselves off the hook, letting themselves off of this individual responsibility when it comes to these moments because they can just default back to well everyone knows it's Tottenham you know it's not my fault it's the fact I play for this club with these sort of issues um because we've all said it right we've said it so many times when players have whether it was you know I don't know just when when players who kind of want to leave or voice some kind of air of frustration about the club 
speak out and say they want a new challenge or they want to go elsewhere. One of the overriding kind of bite backs from the fans is always like, I love how these cunts all act like they weren't responsible for the fact we haven't gotten it over the line in all mm. these different things. And I do just wonder how much that kind of feeling just festers at a club. You know, you've even got fucking that, that Easter Island headed fucking prick. What's he called? Cellini when he said that thing after the Juventus game. Like, we all know the history of this club. We know what they do, you know? It's just... But I think you can change... You can approach that narrative very in, diff- in different ways because do you, do you remember after the... Um, we beat Man City at White Hart Lane 4-1, I think it was, and we'd had a bit of a slow start to the season, but we were just starting to kick into gear. It was the first Pochettino title charge year, the, the Leicester year, as we have to call it. Um, and Dyer came out afterwards and... I can't remember what the question was, but he basically said, "Look, we don't we don't like what top people are saying about Tottenham. They don't we don't like that, that we're being painted out to be this kind of weak willed football team, and, and and we're a good football team, and we want to show that. And that really, because if, if you look at the bare facts of that era, we didn't win anything, and we gave it a good go. But the kind of rhetoric around it was that we were almost fighting against the elite, and we were the alternative team, and we were something you could root for as a neutral. There was a lot of young, at the time, a lot of English players as well, you know, making up a core of that England team. And it, and it just felt like the narrative of that, of rallying against, is it feels so easy to do that. And I mean that in a good way. Like, I just feel like we've got to the point where we got so close to winning everything there was to win. We really were close to winning the league in those two seasons, one with Leicester, one with Chelsea. We were one game away from being champions of Europe. We were semi-final games away from League Cups, FA Cups. You know, if, if on another turn of events, Pochettino could have left in 2019 or whatever with a, two league titles, a Champions League, two FA Cups and a League Cup. Yeah, it's, it's obscene, insane. isn't it? It's, it's really, I think you were talking about it with Adam um, on the, the last pod earlier this week. You know, it, it's hard not to look at it in those terms. But, it, but all of those we were rallying against. And because we got so close, that narrative is completely reversed now. It's a, we're not rallying against anything. If anything, people are rallying against us. It's a, you aren't going to win anything. And we're going, well, you're probably right. Like, and and that's, it's in the fans. It's in, it must be in the players. And yet the, the quality of player has dropped significantly since that point. Totally understand that. But the facts remain we are still, as you say, reaching these semi-finals and then we just can't break through. We, we, we've hit that ceiling. But as a fan, I'd rather look at that and think we're trying to fight against the elite kind of thing. We're trying to break through the, the, the Chelsea and cities who've got billionaire owners and even United and Liverpool who spend obscene amounts of money over the years. And we are still behind those teams but for such a long time we were ahead of them purely on kind of mentality and 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 spirit and as soon as you lose that we just become a bit of a whipping boy and so we're still reaching these semi-finals but yeah you you'd be mad to put any money on us getting through semi-finals and winning cups at the moment It, it you just until we've had a huge turnover of players that don't have that stench on them. I just don't see it happening for us. And I'm not just saying that in a kind of negative 
Spurs Eeyore kind of way. It it just feels like the facts that we do have this muscle memory. We've got this ingrained fear of getting any further or achieving anything almost. God, I wonder that's if really that's dour, isn't it? That's that, that's it's no, only half nine. <laughs> this day's already ruined for me, but no. But I do think just touching on that, maybe there is something kind of something here in the I mean, this is completely like, you know, cod psychology going on right now. But I do, I, I, I just wonder how much there is in something of Spurs maybe having delusions of grandeur, right? We've got this, we've got this huge, great stadium, you know, we've signed some good players. We've obviously, you know, we've got like a, I know it sounds trite, but we've got a Nike kit deal. And with that comes the sort of trimmings and trappings of that, you know, the, the sort of fancy kit reveals or whatever and the just the attention you get from being a club associated with a brand like that and in fact we had an Amazon documentary and everything but it, it, it sort of feels now like we're too scared in some ways we're sort of we're terrified of people looking down on us and thus we're too scared to just admit sometimes properly that we're the underdogs and fight mm. like that. Because when, when I cast my sort of, if you cast your memory back to the last time we actually won something, when it was the Carling Cup, that game, we were a decent enough side. We had some good players and we knew that, but we were still very Tottenham. You know, we were a, a sort of just above average, above mid table sort of team. Like I say, with some decent players in there, the promise of maybe sort of, being a bit better than we were, but... I think we finished 14th that season. Yeah, you know, we I mean, we, we, we were by no stretch thing. And we went into that Chelsea final who were... I would say, I know Chelsea are a lot better than us now, but I think that the chasm between the two teams at that point, to me, I think that Chelsea team were vastly superior to us on that day and just in general at that point. But we fucking took it to them that day. Like, in we obviously, we won, the, we won the cup in the end. Like, and... I, I I can't really recall. I mean, I know obviously under Pochettino we've had some we had some real grit and some real biting performances, but a lot of those we kind of you know when I, when I sort of think about kind of you know like the games like Southampton for example when we looked like we were dead on our feet and then scored what was it two or three goals in the sort of dying moments when we had that mm-hmm. gold kit on and stuff. And I know people might say, oh, that's kind of Tottenham showing some fight, but it's a different type of fight. That was a fight that came from a team that had loads of really good players and again I don't want to do a disservice to that to that Carlin Cup team because obviously Harry Redknapp took over that team the next year and the rest is history took them on to great great things but I just think probably ever since that point ever maybe even since the Redknapp era there's been there's been something about I mean to be fair Redknapp was pretty horrible in big games as well against like bigger opposition so I, I don't, I don't really know what point I'm making. I just, I would say that really the last time I've seen Spurs, if I can really think about it, show up like a proper underdog and take it to a team was that maybe Real Madrid at home that season at Wembley, perhaps. Mm. But it, you, you'd be, you'd be lying if you didn't before that Real Madrid game. If you weren't thinking as a Spurs fan, you know what we, we, we could actually have this. And even by then, we, we weren't the side that we were the year before or the year before that with you know, Trippier and, uh, sorry, Walker and Rose are flying down and, and all of that. We, we didn't play as good a team as we had in 16-17 against Real Madrid, but you still believed. So I, even then, I think we had a maybe a, a disillusion or an illusion of grandeur even going into that game. But I think, yeah, you're, you're completely right. We're, 
we Spurs remind me of England in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe not so much now, but the England of old were they'd win the games you expect them to win, and they'd lose the big games. They'd lose to any nation like Germany, France, Italy, Spain when the when it was really on. And if you look at the the semi finals and the final defeats that we've had since since that last win, we lost in the the Carling Cup final the year after. Uh, we beat Chelsea on a penalty shootout to Man United. We lost, all right, semi-final against Portsmouth. Uh, <laughs> um, semi-final against Chelsea in 2012. We had uh, a final against Chelsea in Pochettino's first year that we lost. We've lost to uh, Chelsea in two-legged Carling Cup semis two years out of the last four, I think it was. So... We just we just don't have it in us, I don't think, to get over that hump. And, and the bit, the problem now is that the, the longer this goes on, the bigger problem this gets. But if you look at when Arsenal had this hunt or had this this problem, you know, they were given fucking semi-finals against Reading and finals against Hull City. And even in those, they went 2-0 down to Hull City and then came back to win it. And I think that was their first trophy in eight, nine years or something like that. So they they were kind of gifted a way out of this. For us, it feels like, you know, last year we had Brentford in the semi-final and it was only one-legged and we got that in, uh, we got the home leg. I'm not sure how it all worked out. But we were sort of gifted it in that sense. And then we get to the final, we're up against bloody Man City. <laughs> it just, we, we need, we're going to need some serious, like, good charm and good luck to to get the sort of luck that Arsenal did to get that monkey off their back. I don't know. And, and that's why it's amazing that we haven't actually done anything. Like in 10 years, are you seriously telling me that we've come up against Chelsea in like four semi-finals and Man City in semi-finals and finals and Man United, you know, it's unbelievable the run that we've had. And you can point at Portsmouth, yeah, should have beaten Portsmouth, but you can have an off day you know, and nine times out of ten, we beat Portsmouth. Everything else, I mean, it's just ridiculous our run. It's it's unbelievable the amount that we've had to do, and we we haven't even really had Arsenal and Liverpool in that time, apart from the Champions League final, but domestic cups and and trophies. We haven't even got round to the Arsenal and Liverpool era of facing them in semi-finals, which I'm sure is on the horizon. Yeah, just it's grim. It's very grim. Where's our Reading and Hull? Yeah, but I mean, the, the problem is, even with that, mate, now, is that the narrative's already there, isn't it? Of course Tottenham can't even lose this, do you know what I mean? And then yeah, yeah. It, it's, I just, it's just going to take, do you know what we really, we really, really need is, honestly, is just, we need to get to a final, and for it just to be a boring, dogged game, and we just get a dodgy, dodgy fucking Harry Kane penalty, 1-0, done, Boring final, no drama, but we just win it and it's done and that's mm. it. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's honestly, I feel that's just entirely what we need. But mm. Tottenham don't do that. Do no, they? no. So think of the last three trophies that we've won. So the the Carling Cup against Chelsea, um, yeah, went to extra time, didn't it? We were one 0 yeah. down. We got a penalty because of a handball that, yeah, was you know, in the non var days maybe wouldn't. Wouldn't have been given these days, I don't know, but you know, went one nil down <laughs> these days, mate. Um, before that, down to ten men winning in the last minute. Uh, Alan Nielsen, you know, Wembley. 
time before that, the FA Cup in '91, like that went to extra time as well. I think like we just don't Gaza do it. Broke that his way. leg. <laughs> yeah, was that the final? Or it I was the so. final. Oh no, no. Hang on. No, it was. Wait. Yeah, it was. No, it was leg. the final because Pierce yeah, yeah. scored from the free kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it, exactly. We don't do it. We just don't have any. This is the thing. It's almost as if are we trying to be too competent with this, or should we really just Ramos it and go four four fucking two? And and just go for it in these games because we definitely have the shackles on a bit. We definitely are crippled by the fear. Last night was not about that. Let's let's be real. Like it wasn't really to do with that. The game was done. But in the first leg, it, yeah, it's hard to not apply that logic, isn't it? It's what? hard not to. It's hard to see past that mental block. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, let, let, let's have this, though, if we're talking about last night, because I think one of the things that, you know, it's... It's gonna get it's gonna get twisted. It's gonna make out that you know you're being knee jerk or whatever. But I'm not I'm not entirely happy with Antonio Conte. I'm not gonna lie. Mate. Oh no, yeah, yeah. He, he, he in the wake of last night, I think there's a lot of excuses being made for him that were not made for Mourinho, for example. Um, I think this kind of the one of the main criticisms I heard of Mourinho was why is Mourinho insisting on sticking with a system that doesn't work with the players he has available to him. And that's all that I see that Antonio Conte is doing right now. Um, and I, I completely appreciate that the squad isn't great because um, I, I, you know, I've, I've often held on to the idea that the squad isn't great and it's not a case of like, they just need a better coach. No, there's some shit players in that squad. They just are. They're, they're not shit, but just not of the standard of play, teams above us. Of the sort of of the kind of squad we had when we yeah. were a title challenging team, we're not there. And this idea that they that you know you can suddenly coach Pierre Mil Hoiberg into being Yaya Toure is just it just it's it's, <laughs> it, it's just it's not it's not a thing. Um, I'd take Colo Toure at this rate with Hoiberg. Just just <laughs> what now? Just yeah uh, yeah. Any any of the Toure brothers, I would accept him turning into. It's it. It's just not. I don't know. I just I don't get it, and I don't I don't I don't either. I don't buy this whole thing that yesterday was a political point. He's making a statement to Levy. No, 
The statement to Levy is, you play your best fucking team, and if they get trounced, then you say, look, I played yeah. the best fucking team and they didn't win. And But it just it makes no sense. So much of what he's saying about, you know, they need to rest players. Why are you resting Larice and not Harry Kane? If you're throwing the game, which you are by putting Galini in the team, and I don't, yeah. again, his whole he deserved to play a big game. He's played in all of the League Cup games so far. I, we don't yeah, and has been, fuck, ru- has been rubbish. Yeah, like, this he's, is the thing. He's yeah. awful. He's yeah. he's all like he's be- honestly he's barely championship level. He's an he's an awful player. I have no idea, no idea how he was playing for a Champions League team in Atalanta, and I have mm. no idea how. Like it's just it's considered acceptable for a professional to be as poor as he is consistently. Mm. I don't I don't get I don't get how we haven't terminated his loan and we're not just giving a youth team player a go. I I don't understand it. I honestly don't understand it, and I don't understand how you could start a semi final against Chelsea against Chelsea for fuck's sake with Golini in goal and act like you're doing anything other than throwing the game. So why the fuck is Harry Kane on the pitch? When mm. we've got Arsenal on the weekend, why are you playing a striker who's Certainly ankles why is he are made of glass, who is yeah. knackered? Yeah. Why is he on the pitch and yeah. Lloris isn't? I, I, and that is on Conte. I don't care, I don't yeah, care I agree. what people want to say about the squad and about Levy and about anything. That is on Conte. Yeah, I agree. The, the biggest problem I had with that was the whole political point thing. Um... If that's if that's true, the literally the only people that are suffering because of that is the fans, and that's what I really can't abide. Like, it, it's he's he's chosen Bellini for if if it's a point of look, we, I want to showcase just how poor this squad is. Is a reserve goalkeeper a replacement for Bellini going to change anything for us? The, the answer is no. The, the real problems, as he said last night, are elsewhere on the pitch. But why would you highlight those even more by basically throwing, as you say, a semi-final against one of our biggest rivals? It, that's what he's done with that. If Larissa played last night, we wouldn't have won. We wouldn't have won 3-0 and been going through to the final, almost certainly. It, it, it just doesn't work like that. And again, because Conte said it, we've got bigger problems. We can't create chances. We can't keep hold of the ball. We can't make passes in the final third. We're not getting into goal-scoring opportunities. But none of that is changed by Galini playing in goal, except it just gets worse. And and the fans were the, the worst thing that can possibly happen to a manager is that fans are proved right about one of your bad decisions. So because before the game last night, Galini, the, the lineup was announced and Doherty at left wing, the Celso playing, you know, all of these things were sort of bad enough in isolation, but paled in comparison to Galini starting and everybody even people that just didn't no again nobody thought that we were going to get through last night it felt as if we were a bit beaten before we went on to the pitch but with Galini in place it was like this is going to be embarrassing or he's going to do something embarrassing and then within half an hour he comes for a corner he misses it completely it goes in off the back of Rudiger's head and goes in and we're one nil down and you look at it and think Every, at that point, everybody did turn on Conte a bit. It was a, you did this. Like, you personally chose to put Galini in place. Three days ago, he was struggling against Morecambe. It, 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 for him personally, it's not a good decision. Galini's not going to walk away from that and go, oh, thank God I played that. That's brilliant. He's got, like, I, the manager trusts me. It, it, 
it's just pointless. We didn't learn anything new apart from he's as bad at coming for crosses as he is diving for shots. You know, it, and that is you're completely right. It's on contact. That there's no point that he's made there that is worthwhile because it's just it's not going to go anywhere. And, and as I say, the only people that suffered for that were the fans. Forty-five thousand people went and saw that and were proved right. And that isn't a good position for Conte to be in. So he's got some making up to do for Sunday as well. I, I think it, if we are actually saving these players for it, tell you what, if Kane turns up knackered or looks like he can't run after 45 minutes again, well, you played him for 100 minutes in midweek, mate. Like, what, What's your answer to that? I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not about political points when the fans suffer as much as last night. It's and you just, and you just don't get to do that. To, you don't no. get to do that to us in like, it's it's a new stadium, relatively speaking. We haven't, you know, we've had the Champions League quarterfinal there against City, but as everybody has said, the stadium after coronavirus, everything that's happened is crying out for that big game, that big game, that sort of touch paper to like get get the atmosphere going in mm. that ground to have a night to remember under the lights in the new White Hart Lane, blah, 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 blah. It's a semi-final, like you say, against one of our biggest rivals. Do you, do you know what? Even if last night, even if last night we'd have gone 2-0 up or if we'd, have, if we'd have won 2-1 and it was hard fought, we still went out, it would have done a lot more. It would have done a lot more for the spirit around the club and everything. Than just fucking doing that. Than yeah. just than just that. It's just. Well, we I, did start okay, didn't we? I I, I felt we, were we okay. had that spell in the second half that was alright, but again, yeah, it's just, look, <sighs> it was all a little bit. You know, it, the, the 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 analogy that always, people always use is the kind of big bully holding holding the little kid's head at arm's length and just like steadily kicking him in the bollocks while <laughs> the little kids just flailing around trying to you know, land a punch. That's that's what we were in the first leg and that's what we were last night, really. But we, we did put up more of a fight. We we put a bit together. And actually, the feeling of fans before the game when they saw the lineup and saw Galini and Doherty, etc., it, it did start to turn a little bit. People did do it like, you know what, we're here now, let's fucking try and get behind, let's do it. And that, that always happens with football fans. It, it's about what you see on the pitch that changes your perception of it. Galini couldn't have wouldn't have mattered if we'd have gone one 0 up in that first fifteen minutes. Nobody would have been going well one 0 up. But, oh God, we've still got this keeper. You just believe because that's how football fans work. But once that doesn't go anywhere and Chelsea started to assert their dominance, it all it took was just that one moment to go. Yep, yeah, well we we told you so, or we knew this was going to happen, and the the atmosphere was just killed at that point. Sort of came back a bit when we. Um, had a go in the second half but again I think by then it was it was a it was a token gesture wasn't it of of kind of effort um that and, and I think almost I think Conte would have got fans back on side had he brought Kane off at that moment because I, I don't we weren't going to gain anything from him being on the pitch and I think fans would have looked and gone yeah actually that's probably a good decision it means he's prioritizing Sunday but as it was as you say there's a bit of a confusing message there if Loris is being rested for this why is Kane not and um, um, if we can't if we can't do anything on Sunday if we're struggling to break them down because Kane's ankles are giving out uh, or he can't run sorry that's that's on Conte he he has to take the blame for that there's no political point and there's no transfer no three or four transfers or however many he wants to bring in 
that reverse that. He's made that decision based on what's in front of him at the time. So sorry, mate. Yeah, on you. He's he's not he's not in the good books this morning, is he? No, it's it, like with the second half. It's <laughs> I just can't help but think about. Have you seen that sort of that meme where it's like a, a really badly drawn star in MS Paint, and written on it is just there was an attempt. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's, it's just that's entirely yeah. what kind of that that uh, oh god that second half was to me. Um, I mean, there's not really much. I mean, like you said, there's not really any. We can go through. You know who did well or who didn't, but the, we didn't learn anything from that last night. Nothing at all. The players that we know aren't good, that don't play well in certain positions, didn't. And you know, it. Mm. I don't know. It's just tough. I mean, let's. Uh, we won't go on to Arsenal yet. I mean, sticking on Conte and sticking on the squad. Um, what do you hope to see us bring in? this January mate because I'm, you know because there's this sort of I, I'm even now feeling like what Adama great just bring him in let's have I, I was I was so staunchly against him and I think in my heart of hearts I'm still like I know what's going to happen we're going to have five six games of him looking decent and people and all the people like who have rallied for him are going to be like see see oh and remember Yadar said we shouldn't sign Adama <laughs> and all that sort of thing you know what I mean and then those sort of six, seven games will disappear and then he'll just become another one of the many frustrating, ineffective players that we have. Um, because, like, even from what I look around on, on Twitter and stuff, even Wolves fans aren't that fucking arsed about They're him. They're not, right? mate. My in-laws are Wolves and they find the idea of him moving anywhere even sideways from Wolves, let alone up, you know, with all due respect that, that we would be an upward step, just laughable because he, he he actually doesn't get in their team an awful lot. This is the thing. We're not buying a starter from them because he's got a very specific set of skills that are really, really useful in certain scenarios. But then all players have got that and it doesn't take much for teams to work out what to do. See what Watford did against us on... New Year's Day or wherever it was and just how they gave em, uh, Emerson Royale acres of space they would just do the exact same any team would do the exact same thing against us so I can see Adama working against City Liverpool Chelsea Arsenal maybe because he is devastating when you're counter-attacking so I can see value in that but is even at the end of that, he doesn't really have the end product to do anything with it. So on the rare occasion that we did venture forward with Adama in the side, I don't really back him to to do anything with it. So I, I, I'm very, very anti Adama. Um, he doesn't fix the glaring issues that we've got. I would be looking at I, I'd be looking at a second striker, and I, I wouldn't even be looking at a backup. I'd, I'd be looking at someone who can play with Kane slash instead of I, I don't think Kane should feel as comfortable as he as he is with his place at Spurs. Like I still I said this last time and I was a bit more reserved that time, but I'm pretty sick of him now, to be honest. Like I know he's knackered and I know he's our great hope, but his attitude stinks of doing us a favour. Like the, the the stuff about, you know, how happy he is now Conte's in place now and you think, okay, fine, but you're still paid by us. You should still be trying as hard as you possibly can. 
for six months he just hasn't in my opinion I, I know people think differently but yeah I, I think we need to find someone that can play that can really genuinely challenge him for a place or give us at least a view of the future as and when Kane perhaps leaves us um, I'd also be looking we, we might clash on this I sort of mentioned it the other day I'd bring Ericsson back mate. I'd bring him back tomorrow uh, even if he's not fit, even if his heart's on his ass, I, I think we desperately need someone who can pass a football in the final third. I'd be bringing him back. He, it's, it's pretty much no risk, in my opinion. He wants to play and get fit for Denmark for the World Cup this year. We desperately need a playmaker. It, Conte's worked with him before. If there's no real health risk to him personally... I'd, I'd be bringing him back, and I was—I hated him when he left. I, I felt like he really gave up on us. It's similar to what Kane's doing now, in a way. Like it, it feels as if he turned his back on us and phoned it in. But if there's a, if there's even a small chance of it for free, I'd be all over it because we're desperate for it. And, and that's what can turn things. The defence and the midfield is not good enough but it is serviceable and could be good enough if we had an element of control in the final third. So all this talk about a centre-back and a right wing-back, like a defensive midfielder, yeah, great. But all of that would form a foundation for a load of old shit at the top end of the pitch. Talking of those memes, you know that meme where it's a horse and the, the back end of it is drawn <laughs> immaculately and then it turns into like a five-year-old's version of a horse, like straight lines and, you know... it. it it's that for us at the moment. Our, our top end of the pitch, with Son out especially, is just awful. We don't have enough at that end. So I'd, I'd be trying to inject a bit of fun back into us by addressing the top end rather than the back. It just feels like... I think one of the things that it makes it so hard at the moment in terms of, like you say, to kind of... To get excited about with Spurs is it, it feels like we're we're so far off now if, because we've we've been able to hide right we've been able to hide behind this idea that it's just this manager's fault or that manager's fault and it, it seems that finally kind of the 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 buck stopped now like we've got and Antonio Conte who whatever you know bitching about him it's more out of frustration I'm not doubting the fact he's a he's a fantastic manager no. yeah. We've got Antonio Conte, who is pretty much routinely coming into press conferences, basically saying the squad is shit, you know? Um, he's obviously saying he's he has, for interest of balance, he has also said that this isn't going to be fixed overnight with spending money, um, which I guess is probably more just putting uh, managing expectations from his own side as well. Um because you know you do have to change a culture of a club. You do have to, like you were talking about, the top end change the DNA, if you like, or at least the 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 stench around the place. Um, you know, it needs fumigating, right? And it, it's it's going to take a lot of time to do that. Um, and it's more just again, I was sort of I was going on about this previous. I've been going on about this for weeks, really. Is that it? Still makes me worry, like. This is Antonio Conte, though. This is this is a guy like gets he gets pissed off when he can't compete at the level he feels that he should be. You know, he he wants to be challenging for the title. He wants to be in the Champions League, and I just don't see how those two thoughts tally together. I don't see how 
the idea of Tottenham Hotspur that need a smart and steady plan of building the club, of investing wisely over X amount of years. Essentially just a roadmap to success, which will which will take, let's be honest, at least two seasons to get towards oh, mate, it. We're, that is with everything going right. right. That is with... Signings two, working out. Yeah, it, yeah. The two seasons would be if the if the Andombele and Lacelso window went a hundred percent successfully, and the season and the the, the window afterwards as well. And Papo so, Matasar shows up in summer and is a world beater. Honestly, so. mate, I'm so excited for him because because he doesn't. He's 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 young and he just reminds me of the sort of player I know nothing about him <laughs> let me just say that I've got absolutely no insight whatsoever on him but the thought for me as a Spurs fan over the last 20 years I think about the teams that I sat watched and loved and enjoyed and every single one of them was born from our approach of buying young hungry footballers who were look if they were using us as our, their middle step in their career Yep, I get that it sucks when they leave, when Modric left, when Bale left, when Berbatov left, when Carrick left. It's hard. Walker the same. It's hard to accept your place in the food chain, but they were all part of teams that you wanted to go and watch and enjoy. And they did really... They, we were so close to winning stuff with those teams. You know, we, we, we were genuinely close to FA Cups and League Cups and, and then in the latter years, even titles and Champions Leagues with the likes of Delhi and... Ericsson was on that as well. He was still a pump from Ajax at, at the age he was when we brought him in. You know, Son was a bit of a punt. It, think of like Dawson and, and say, Carrick and uh, Paul Robinson. Like, it, and I get that these are not the sort of calibre of players that we think we should be up for, but it's definitely the approach that can bring us something to hold on to. We have been in this halfway house now since, since the new stadium and since the Champions League of, well, we we need to start acting like a big club, but we don't know how to do that. Like Levy, I'm not, I'm not a Levy basher as such, but I don't think he knows how to operate as a big club. It's all a bit looking over your garden fence and seeing what the other clubs are doing, but kind of forgetting that, you know, Man United, we might be contemporaries with them in terms of our league finishes for the last 10 years, but they've still got that history and that again that DNA of being able to just bring in pretty much whoever they want if they spend the right money we we don't have that and I'm not saying we should but what we should be doing is just looking after what we do best and what we've done best for 20 odd years and you can supplement that with the odd signing you can supplement that with a, a big a big player that you've spent all your money on for that year but don't forget the things that, that have served you so well so Saar is exciting for me because he feels like a, a bit of a return to that template and someone that could just come in with no pressure no real kind of insight into this guy's going to save us just play his football and earn his place in a in a, 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 play, a position in the side that really is up for grabs you know if him and Skip form a, a partnership for example we're in business like People would love to see that sort of thing. So I, I am I'm trying not to put all my hopes on him because I know he's a kid, but I, I, I have so much more hope for someone like him than someone we went out and spent 60 odd million on this summer because we've seen this book, we've seen this film before and we know how it ends. So I, I just want, I want to feel more connected to the club through that sort of thing rather than this 
kind of intangible idea that just spending loads and loads of money brings us success because we've got more than enough examples of that not being the case. So I forgot what the question was there. I'm not even sure what I just sort started of what, out from. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's the name of the game. It's the name of the <laughs> game, Tom Fowens. Um, uh, no, it was more just about you know who you potentially want us to sign and where you think we need to sign. Players, oh, yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. Would you take Ericsson? Um... I mean, we do need a player like I'm just worried about his health. That's do you know that is the oh, that's the dark cloud for me over the whole thing. Mm. I would be like, sort of, I think I'd be like very squeamish watching him play. You know, just yeah, yeah, almost like a bit of a you know feeling like it's a bit of a time bomb or something. I know it sounds, this is probably very crass, and I'm doing a disservice to whatever. I the, think it's fair. No, no, I mean, look, the last time anyone, last time any of us saw him on a pitch was you know un- unconscious and in and in great trauma like it, it it was it was awful and, and obviously no one wants to, to see that and, and if you yeah I think that's a very valid point it's just an interesting one I can see him coming to train with us I think you said the other is, day. Yeah, I think he is isn't he yeah Conte I think mm. said he's the doors open to him to which makes to sense for him again if he wants to get fit if he wants to to get back onto the pitch even if it's a training pitch you know why not be in a, an environment that you know and feel you know I think he left you know, my, my misgivings aside, I think he left under good terms. We got 20-odd million for him. He wanted to go and we didn't stand in his way. Uh, Conte managed him at Inter, as we've said. Like it, it makes sense for him to do. I just wonder if we turn it into anything, if if he could prove himself to be to be fit and, and not under any danger because say he's got designs on playing at the World Cup, which must mean he's got some assurances from medical experts that he's gonna be fit enough but who knows I mean, I just, it, feels, it feels very convenient Dally Blint didn't it and he's, he's yeah he did and there's now. a couple of other players I think um, yeah Blint was the most high profile one but um, yeah like he's, he's got a little pacemaker isn't he Blint and I think Ericsson yeah. has now so there's there's definitely um, precedence there I think that there was a player that played for Swansea do you remember um, uh, he's, he was a striker his surname was Gomez I think and about six months after the Moamba thing at White Hart Lane we I think we scored and they were just about to kick off and he collapsed as well and obviously everyone was yes, I like, terrified about it and he went off and it, it transpired that he's got this thing of like, I think somebody came out after and went oh yeah that happens all the time like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it happens yeah. all the time? And, he, and he's playing football. What? I yeah, mean. exactly. Like he just, what you, he just keeled over on the pitch. But yeah, it wasn't the same thing as I don't think it was the same thing as Moamba. Um, but it, it's obviously more common than you'd think. And if there's a possibility of him playing, I, I just yeah, I, I think he'd get a good reception as well. And I would as well. I, I don't really have any ill feeling towards him. Certainly seeing that since he left we've just got worse certainly in his department so I'd welcome him back with open arms but I'm a massive turncoat so. I, was gonna say, I think that, that's the reassurance he was looking for mate we're going to see him <laughs> yeah, sign yeah. as soon as yeah, his yeah. pod goes out yeah exactly yeah if he wants me to come around with a like a stethoscope and just check his heart as well I'm happy to give my medical advice cup, cup him make him cough you know do a, <laughs> give him the full the full uh, the full once, once over um it's yeah. Oof, I, uh, should we talk about Arsenal? Yeah, as I say, you don't want to talk about it. Do you? I really yeah. don't. I really, no. really don't because I don't know. Obviously, I'm always, I'm always scared about this fixture, even when we were like miles better than them. 
I was still kind of scared about the fixture. It's the first proper North yeah. London derby in the ground as well, yeah. in the new yeah. ground. I mean, they are... <laughs> they're going to be willing them on to win that. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's They just seem a lot more exciting than us at the moment. You know, and I... I Adam Nathan had a go at me last week and people are always digging me out on Twitter because I'm sort of waxing lyrical about them. But I just, I'm, I do, I'm not, I'm not really buying. I, I don't really think that Arteta is that good. But what I do think is that he's managed to, with time and patience from the owners at least, convey what it is that he wants his team to do. And they're now listening to him because he's rooted out the ones that don't want to do that. And he's built the team accordingly. And also, let's not know. We can, you know, we can hold our hands up and say the same thing happened to us with Pochettino. They've also been blessed by the fact that they've had Saka and Smith Rowe come through their academy at this yeah. point in time. They've obviously bought smart with Martinelli. He's always looked like a smart signing, and they have signed a few other good players. But those two in particular, Saka and Smith Rowe, look like absolute world beaters. I'm absolutely desperate for Man City to go in for Saka because I just think he's quality. But um. I mean, I, I think they do. I think they've got a few missing this weekend, and they are very up down as well. I mean, if it was anyone else than them, I would sort of be saying, well, you know, they they went out against Nottingham Forest. Maybe their spirits will be a bit low. But then, I kind of I've got this horrible feeling that they're the sort of club that still kind of bounces back from bad results like that. I don't know whether that's just in their makeup or something as a team that has, you know done an invincible season won the double not too long ago still routinely win FA Cups even when they've been absolutely appalling you know there's there's something there in that in that mentality much in the same way as when it comes to big games we tend to shrink um I just I really I I really don't know how I can, no I do know how I see this one going and I see us losing I do I do see us losing yeah, I, I think I, it's going to be quite ugly as well mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree, unfortunately. I, I just think, don't want to say it. That's the thing. But I yeah, know exactly how I feel that it's going to yeah. go. Yeah, I, I don't think the Forest result, result has a lot of bearing on this. I think they, they played a very changed side. If I well, I didn't watch it, I have to say, but my understanding is they, changed, they had quite a changed side. Yeah, they've got a few players out. I think Smith Rowe might be one of those that is a is at risk of not playing. And, and to be honest, the form that he's in, that does us a massive favour. But... They just look they look a bit more settled than us. And and to be honest, some of that a lot of that comes from the fact that they don't have European football and so Arteta has had the thing that Conte hasn't, which is entire weeks to work with the squad. And, and if anything, them going out of the FA Cup, obviously a bit of a disaster for them in the manner w- which it happened, but it again does them a favour. They they reached rock bottom, and I think that's the thing. They they have that gradual decline, you know, even the end of their Champions League years. They were falling over the line to finish fourth and then getting humiliated in the Champions League in the knockout stages usually. Um, and, and everyone was like, well, that's the kind of nadir. Then they got to the, they were qualifying for the Europa League and we found that very funny. And they were, well, I think they reached the final and lost and then they were getting knocked out. And, and then after that, they didn't even qualify for the Europa League. But last season, they were dreadful, finished ninth odd. But they that kind of was their rock bottom and it Arteta just hit the reset button a bit. And as you say, that Smith Rowe came to the fore because of failures that Smith Rowe probably wouldn't have played had Ozil worked out a few years ago and still been playing. And 
um, Martinelli maybe wouldn't have been playing if Aubameyang was was switched on and still playing. So it, they could hit the reset button because it was almost like we've got nothing left to lose. And I, I still think we're a, we're a season away from that. Like we're still trying to make Lo Celso work, and it it's just not going to. You know, it isn't going to work. Stop. Stop trying to get this guy who is clearly not cut out to play Premier League football to to be a success. It isn't going to work. So I think they're they're further ahead of us in terms of just getting a bit of structure into their team. Like I look at their their starting eleven and think, okay, it's still not man for man, man brilliant. Still not really up to probably matching up to the top six, but it's at least balanced and it gets the best out of what they do have. And I just don't think we're there now. The other thing is confidence. This is the biggest problem with us and was the problem under Mourinho. We lost confidence and it's very difficult to get that back. Again, with the same players that have gone through this numerous times before over the last few years. Seven of who started last night will probably start against Arsenal on Sunday. Um, Sanchez probably starts. um, Davis probably starts. Emerson, Hoiberg, Winks, Lucas and and Kane, you know, maybe substitute Hoiberg for Skip, perhaps. Um, but that that's the, the, the facts are probably half the team that started last night is going to start on Sunday. And that our confidence is at rock bottom and Conte is being very vocal about how the squad isn't where he wants us to be and all of that is going to feed into potentially quite a smelly performance and if we are 1-0 down at half time I wouldn't back us to turn it around and that, and I, I doubt many people in the stadium would so I don't know mate, I, I agree I don't think we're going to be winning that game I can't even see a scoring, I really can't Like they're, they're, they're actually pretty good in defence now I Yeah think. they are um, Ramsdale, God knows what's happened to him because he he is not a good goalkeeper as far as I can tell. And so whether or not he's just having a like a, a Gomez spell, I don't know. But he's just turned into yeah, like a bit of a world beater. I think Gabriel is back and he's a very he good player. Ben White's a very good ben player. Ben White as well, is man. decent, yeah. Like they they have players that can do actually a lot of what Conte would want from us. they've got players that can bring it out from the back. Um very solid fullbacks, from what I can tell. Like, Tierney is a good player. I think Tommy Asu is a good player as well. But it's it's going to come down to you know their game against City. They imploded, but they they kind of imploded in a in a passion, if you like. Like they just they didn't know how to control their emotions after a stupid tackle from Zaka. And, and that's an experience, isn't it? More than it um, is. Yeah, we we've, we've had more of our the fair share of that sort of thing. Um, but it, it can't mask how if they were good in that first half, they just didn't kill the game off. And if they come out like that against us, similar to how they did in the home game, I mean that that game at the Emirates earlier this season. Oh, it was, it was a travesty. It so goes. It's, 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 it's my worst ever Spurs game, and, and that's that, Nuno me. should have gone after that. Nuno should have left after that it's game. Horrific. It was horrific. Yeah. Was, I yeah. think you know it's a term I think I've, I've seen you say in response to those sort of fixes before. It's just professional negligence. Like, yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, I've, I think the main the main thing that worries me, other than the sort of you know, the Spurs fan fears and all this type of stuff, I've, I just look at that Arsenal team, and as I often do, if even when they are quite crap, and this is probably partly why they get it over the line. This is probably partly in their DNA of you know 
Clarsnall and all that shit that they do. They just they've got a lot of very technically solid players, whereas I think we are the complete opposite of that. Yeah, Somebody yeah. tweeted at me last night, and I could not agree more in that we've got a good side, but it is probably technically one of the worst Spurs teams we've had in such a long time. And yeah. I think I've seen so many people bemoaning this over the course of the past two, three years of why do we have so few players that can just trap a ball and pass it cleanly? It's insane. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just such basic things like that. We just seem to be so bad at doing our Our short passing is terrible. Um, and I, I can imagine for a manager like Conte who wants to, you know, build slowly and has these kind of patterns of play that are all very kind of specific, like very specific. It must just be a nightmare to him. Yeah. You know? uh, it, and I mean, you know, maybe I'm, I think I am probably am a bit harsh on someone like Hoybier, but I just, I look at him and I just think like, what are you doing half the time? <laughs> yeah. You know, like what, what are you yeah. actually doing? And like, yeah, yeah. you talk about Tommy Asu there, like how, how damning is it that that's somebody who we were linked to for ages and we work with Emerson Royale instead. And now look mm. at what Tommy Asu's doing over there. And I know it can be, you know, you said it with Levy earlier, sort of peeking over into the neighbour's garden and seeing how they're doing it. But that that is that example in particular is just what, what's going on in our kind of, with our scouting, if it's Hitchin, if it's Paratici, whoever is making these decisions. Because yeah. I don't think Tommy Asu costs any more than Emerson Royale has done. And I doubt he's on a higher wage, really. No, just you just have to look at who the agents are, I guess. I, I'm not saying that as in as if I know. Oh, are you onto it, mate? Are we? No. Uh, well, are we, are we going full info wars. I now? mean, there's something. There's, a, there's an in, yeah. There's an image. <laughs> um, the, there was a there's a Financial Times article that's out. I think today, and it's to do with the Fiorentina owner, and he's he talks about the Gattuso managerial um, appointment, and the reason it only worked. I think. He was only there like something like two months or something stupid. Um, was around his demands around players, and it was all sort of based around Mendes. And I still feel like we've got the stench of Mendes and Mourinho on us a little bit. You know, we we made some signings under Mourinho that were questionable at best, and it was all linked to this this grubby Mendes underworld in football. And again, it just it feels like that we look over the fence and go, well, what's everyone else doing? Are getting into bed with super agents and getting all these players, forgetting, of course, that we aren't going to be going and signing Cristiano Ronaldo. We're going to sign Matt Doherty. You know, that's <laughs> our budget. You know, we super agent or not, we've still got only a certain amount of money in the bank account. So, um, I still think there's an undercurrent of that through us, and as you say, Emerson. I don't really understand what we saw in him that was going to immediately improve things. Um, that may be harsh, maybe he needs a bit more time, but uh, I'm not overly impressed with Paratici so far. I don't know if he's the right fit for us. Again, looking at what's made us successful over the last 20 years and that the approach to the transfer market we've had, albeit limiting, I don't think he really can perform the same miracles I, I don't know maybe maybe he will I don't know but yeah like you're right the, te the technical aspects of our team is very very poor and and 
each one of those things gets shown up more and more with confidence drains. As soon as when Hoiberg was at his best, it was when the team was at its best. You know, that he was a really important cog in it. But when things started to go south and we didn't, we couldn't get control of the ball and we were sitting deep under Mourinho, you need someone that can keep hold of the ball. And Hoiberg is where possession goes to die, isn't he? He's just not a good footballer. So, I, yeah, yeah. who knows? I, I, I can see... I can see us going with Hoiberg and, and Skip on Sunday, Delhi ahead of them, Lucas and Kane up front, which I wouldn't be entirely against. No, nor would I. Uh, like, I, I, I. Who else is there? What else yeah, have we got? Yeah, yeah. I, I, just, ooh, the only thing is we could we just we just have to hope that I d I don't care how it comes, I don't care the manner of it. If we just beat them, that's all mm. I care about. I just you know we beat them, and that's why we're football fans at the end of the day, isn't it? You still, as much as I say I can't see us beating them, there's still that little bit of hope, and we just have to cling on to that. So you know. yeah, I was I was pretending last night that I wasn't going to watch on Sunday. You know, I was like, you know what, I've got no interest in them them pricks, and I'll probably feel that way up until about four p.m. on Sunday, and then I'll just go on Twitter and have a look at the team. And I'll see, you know, maybe something will surprise me, or I'll see, I don't know, Skip and Winks, and I'll think, hmm, well, that's, then you, that's then, a midfield that can, can can do a bit more than I thought it could. And, and then, then you'll I'll just think, watching. oh, I've got I've got a couple of tins in the fridge, actually, as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I'll have one there. Well, I'll stick well. it on, yeah. yeah. So it's not, I mean, I turned off, the, the one at the Emirates, I turned off at 30 minutes, I think. I, I didn't even see half time, but I'd never do that. Usually I will. Uh, stick it out but I did turn it off and I, I forgot about it for the rest of the day so if, if they can not do that if we can be in the game that would be much appreciated and I'll, I'll maybe stick about but I, I I don't hold out a lot of hope unfortunately Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.